Welcome to the Level Up Podcast. I'm Wade Reed. I'm Aaron Pescucci. And today we are talking about brew methods. And this is a conversation that was brought to me by my co-host. And so, Aaron, I'm going to toss it to you. Like, let's hear what you have to say about brew methods. Wade, I'm super excited to talk about this today. And it's not going to be your standard, how do we brew on stuff that you see everywhere. It's not even going to compare the, well, it will compare them a little bit, but it's not going to be the TDS conversations that you've seen. I brought my refractometer for nothing. <laughs> for nothing. Break it out. We'll do it anyway. Man, uh, I, I loved watching TDS when I was a kid. I mean... <laughs> TDS! Uh, I mean, you know, Coffee Street and, uh, <laughs> you know, the Roasting Corner. Uh, uh, How many of these can you come up with? Mi- mis- Mr. Chemex's Neighborhood. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> That's not WXXI, you know. King French Press. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wow, that was that was a tangent if there ever was one on this podcast. Um, so, um, you know, this came to me in uh, one of the issues of Standart I was reading. Um, I was reading about the Tricolate Brewer, came out of Australia. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. And I had originally put this down on a podcast that I was trying to put together about, um, I was calling it, there's something happening in Australia. Okay. Because we had just talked about um, Proud Mary who keeps coming up in our podcast. Because so, we're fanboys. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I am totally. Big time fanboy um, right here. That yep. $150 cup of coffee is uh, coming my way. That's you know? that's all it takes. We that's should see if it's still available. The the Black Jaguar Gesha, the little tins they were selling, is no longer available. But, um, yeah. So, um, and then. It's funny that you thought I hadn't looked. <laughs> so, then I. Uh, you know, I had talked to a couple people about this in our coffee circles, and they all kind of knew but didn't know. So you and I met, and I asked you about, you know, <laughs> zero bypass brewing and how I it was. out a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, well, and you also looked at me and said, yeah, I have two of those right here. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, this is going on to, you know, that conversation where basically we looked at everything, and I thought about the... 19 different brew methods in my house and you know wondered where we are and why we're doing this they a just little multiply. bit and just multiply. once you have one you're gonna get have 10 and the question was wade does this really matter like do we need another brewing method it, it, it matters a lot and we do need more uh <laughs> and until the bypass methods the hoop specifically there was a major hole in the market that like i Wanted to engineer something to fill, and I, they just beat me to it because, yeah, obviously, I'm not an engineer. So, but yeah, no, I think, I mean, for me, brew methods make a whole huge difference. Can we, can we define uh, what is a bypass and non and a non bypass brewer, please? Yeah. So yeah. the uh, the one we're referring to, the hoop, is a zero bypass method where you do not pour any coffee directly onto the water, either to like let it soak like in a French press or to let it flow through. And so, and more importantly, there should be no water escaping. Right. Yes. Without passing through the grounds. Right. So you uh, have essentially like a, a bed of grounds inside a cylinder surrounded by a wider cylinder and Mm -hmm. you pour into that cylinder and the inner cylinder is perforated. And I can tell from the look on your face, Chris, that none of this makes sense. No, I'm I'm looking at it online. Is be that's why because it's yeah. yeah so you're never you're not, directly pouring onto the coffee. Yep. Okay. No so agitation. No agitation. Okay. Yep. Got it. And the at least when I initially read about this and that article about the Tricolate brewer, which is a lot like the hoop. And there's a when I looked through the other methods, they all seem very similar in construction. There. Um, the I idea mean, it, was a little bit too engineer a greater service area a thinner coffee bed to um, allow for total what i was imagining total ground um, extraction so each particle is getting extracted evenly more than just thinking about the whole thing as a as a base like the whole coffee ball so to speak sure um i i don't i mean having used the thing quite a bit now Tell us about I'm it. I'm not sure it accomplishes that exact task. Uh, Tell us you about do your experience. Still there. get a crust that forms on top. So unless you're stirring it the same way you would stir a bloom, 
like you still have that issue of like whatever's on top is exposed to the air, you know, and that, and that's where a lot of technique and pour over comes in is like evenly wetting those top grounds and evenly creating a flow through, through the whole bed of grounds. Um, and, uh, I like full disclosure. I love the hoop. I think it's a great brewer. One of the best things about it is you set it and forget it. You pour to your water weight, you walk away, and the thing just does the work. Yep, that was that was the great thing I saw when you poured for me. Yeah, and okay. I I love that about it. And it doesn't. It's not nearly as like messy as a French press. You just take the thing off whatever you brewed into, and um, you literally just detach one the inner cylinder from the outer circle, and like like the the filter just falls right out. Like it <laughs> is so easy to clean. Like so, I love it, but it doesn't. You know, does it get you anything not, more than brew wise in your cup? Does it get you anything more than, you know, your Hario? And I know that at least when we've talked, you've touted the benefits of a Hario over, you know, my favorite brew method, which is a Chemex. Yeah, I, I think that it's almost entirely dependent. I say this and then I'm looking at some data I've gathered. It's almost entirely dependent on the coffee you're using. Right. So we, I think brew methods matter that. a lot, but when you're talking about like the actual variance and the coffee in your cup, so much more of it comes from the bean to begin with sure, that it's really, sure. it's really like cross tabbing what bean with what brew method. So I've got, I think that's where, that's where that comes in. That's but. what I was going to say. So I've got two, two questions for you. So to bring back coffee geek, um, one of our original sources of information, it's two episodes in a row, I know. We, it brought Coffee up, and Deacon. I was like, yes, because we just looked this. <laughs> when I uh, Googled uh, Zero Bypass Brewing this afternoon to kind of just see what else was out there, they were one of the first ones to come up. Um, they've got one article I read that I thought was pretty interesting, and I in that they said they were going to be doing some follow-up stuff on specific recipes for different Zero Bypass brewers. Okay. So um, one of the big things that they brought up was that – you can get away with less coffee in this brewing method. So I did a little bit of math. Their math, they originally um, said that they use a 1 to 14 ratio or a 1 to 2.5 ratio, which seemed a little bit low to me at start. Super. super I was going to say, because you, on Hario, I think you said, did you say 1 to 15 traditionally? I mean, I mean, I usually land anywhere from 1 to 16 to 1 to 17. Yeah. Um, depending on a couple of different factors, uh, what grind size of coffee likes or bean density, things like that. Um, so sorry. one to 14 seems. I was going to say let that's me refresh. kind of. Yeah, let me that... refresh. I got my, my bullet points switched on me. So yes, their no bypass brewing suggestion was one to 20. Oh, oh whoa. The zero bypass, they're suggesting that you can get away with anywhere from one to 14 to one to two and 12 and a half. That's what it was. And in that you can save save your coffee, so to speak. Huh. So I did the math. Now, here's where I got questioned on that, because that seemed like a great thing, especially with the prices of coffee going up. Yeah, definitely. Um, it really equates, if you're looking at the two grams per cup, I'm assuming I drink one cup a, you know, a Hario a day on the low end, that equates to about two pounds a year. And saving In, ground coffee. Oh, just what you say. Just ratio-wise. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my initial thought was, I don't know if that's worth it, but it kind of is. Well, I guess it kind of depends on how much you like what it's doing, right? Because, like, when, I, when I'm when i reading their website, right, and we've, we've determined through episodes of the show that, you know, the way you advertise something, you know, drives, drives the people that you want to buy the thing and how you would what your expectations are when you buy the thing. Uh, the first thing I saw, which reminds me of AeroPress writing as much yep. as anything else, is um, reading the thing. It is I'm trying to see. And this is about the tricolate you pulled up? No, or? the the hoop. Okay. Uh, it says soft. Yes. With hoop, you have an automatic soft infusion. Sure. So the words that they're using indicate that they're looking for, you know, soft. They're looking for, you know, maybe more integrated and less articulate or this. They're just looking for pleasurable and not specific. 
Um, but that that's what it indicates to me because I've seen enough of these brewers where they're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be soft. <laughs> um, and that seems like I, that's what I would take it as. Sure, sure. like uh, lower acidity, lower bitterness, more experience of the body, more experience of the sweetness. Yeah. I That fits, I think, the description of the hoop in my experience. Um, Makes sense logically. Where, where I would differentiate it from something like an AeroPress is I think an AeroPress – um, in a lot of ways, the best you can do is just to get rid of the elbows and knees of a coffee, and um, it is a bit of a flattening bring, of bring coffee out profiles. Elbows and knees for um, just anything that doesn't really belong there, or you feel like isn't pleasant to your palate, or you feel like um, maybe if you just don't like acidity, you know, sure. um, any anything that has a little bit that's a, a little too articulated, um, AeroPress just is just like, here's the sweetness of this coffee. And most coffee sweetnesses start to shade into one another on the AeroPress. Like, yeah. it's there's a very little differentiation. It's a little bit of a Vaseline on a lens kind of situation. Sure. <laughs> Makes everything feel very, very nice and soft, but well, and you don't get all the crisp detail. But and not that's a little. That's but, a little interesting, too, because one of the main aspects of this article that Coffee Geek brings out, and one of my initial thoughts was, well, isn't the AeroPress or Immersion Brewing simply zero bypass like you're not losing any water there which is the whole point in advertising of zero bypass brewing yeah the water does not leave the grounds in like a french press it does in an aeropress and when it does in the aeropress it's not gravitational force it's actual like pneumatic force right, right. so like um what the zero bypass is doing is using gravity to create like a like a a a zero, you know, you could call it zero agitation. There's obviously not zero agitation, but very, very little agitation. So I've found it's incredibly consistent mm. um, because, okay. because you've just taken that variable out. And so I'm even just looking at like three coffees I've scored on different brew methods. Every single one got a seven in the category of sweetness on the bypass, on the zero bypass method, on the hoop, because it just it really consistently draws out that quality middle of the road nothing nothing too exciting but nothing certainly not leaving any flavor behind so seems like the kind of thing a lot of people would enjoy sure i i think yeah i think anyone it would be a good introductory method cuz it lets people feel like this is what it's like to pour a coffee you know you are standing there you do have to fill the thing you do have to weigh the water but at the end of the day like it requires very little skill. It requires no technique at all. Just fill it up to this amount. So, Well, you know, following up on our last podcast, that's great because that does take a lot of the, uh, the fear and the intimidation out of moving into one of these brewing methods. Um, and so that, you know, I'm going to store that in the back of my head for somebody who's looking to get into, you know, what do we call you know, the brewing methods that we go to for third wave coffee. Yeah, manual brewing, manual artisan brewing. brewing. Like I've heard lots, there are a lot of different, yeah. But, uh, you know, as opposed in to getting them, you know, geeky, is that what you said? No, infinite uh, infinite options. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> infinite options. Well, so uh, are we at a point, I, I have a thought, so tell me if tell me if I'm interrupting too much, but the, um, um, I, I was going to bring up the idea of inertia when it comes to brewing at home. Okay. Um, I don't know if you're in the middle of something where you want to finish the thought first, but, um, I got another thought, but, um, as I've learned to say, tell me more about that. So I've been, so I brew at home I, every day manually. Um, I've been using the same method every day for, I don't know, two years, three years. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've been using the, you know, Kalita 185 size, um, flat bottom filter, flat bottom, over. three yep. holes, yep. um, low flow. So I think it functions a lot, like partially depending on how good your grinder is. Uh, it's full Agreed. immersion. Another variable. Yep. It's yeah. full immersion. If it, you know, backs up exactly. <laughs> um, or it's not depending on the coffee. Um, and I've, I've used it for so long and I ran out of filters the other day. And I pulled out the full-size Chemex, and I just did my normal. So I, I do brew a little bit longer, so I do I do more coffee per pour. 
So I'm not doing 20. It acts differently at 20 or 21 grams versus 30. Yeah. Definitely. So I'm brewing at 30 grams. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and it acts differently unless my grind is super consistent. Yeah, for sure. If you get fines, then it just clogs and then it's just done. You're talking it, about the Kalita? Yeah. 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 And I, that's one of the things I love about that size Kalita. Like the variance you can get like the 20 gram, the 30 gram, like in it. It performs it, as long as what like you're saying it doesn't clog. I, yeah, I like that about it. Um, and I I ran out of filters and I pulled out the full size Chemex and I just ran my normal pour through the full size Chemex. Okay. Um, which is yeah, it's wasteful for the size no, of filter. No, I I mean, how did it taste? Uh, yeah. I I was I was like wow I I was so excited. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be because it had been a while, and I really hadn't used it on the new newer grinder I had uh, bought, and it's like, oh yeah, it's this is wow, it's not clogging like it used to because I don't get as many fines as I used to. Yeah, uh, I upgraded to the the say, you've fellow, got the fellow Ode, Ode right? V two, yeah, the Ode is yeah, and so, I've got the I and you did have the Baratza Encore, yeah, which again a workhorse of a super affordable, great intro. That's a uh, great intro grinder. Yeah. It's the best intro grinder, and I've sold a lot of those, and that's what I've got at home still. I mean, there's it's still great, but I, I have noticed the difference in like less fines, better flow, and everything else. And I ran on the comics like, oh wow, this is this is fun, and it whetted my appetite. And when you brought up grind methods, I mean, uh, pour methods, like for the first time in a while, I've actually been thinking about, oh man, I want to try some different stuff again. Yeah, sure. I, I, because you get that moment where you try and like, oh, that is the same coffee, but oh, that's, it's a different angle at it. Oh, that's yep. fun. Absolutely. And now I, I have been thinking about it recently. So this is a really apt time to talk about this for me. It's well, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and that's going to lead into what might be our final question here is, because uh, what this brings up to me in the coffee geek area is, Okay, so now we've got all these brew methods. Now we've got all these different coffees with all these notes in it. And we've, we went from how do we use a brew method to accentuate all coffees to the best to now what I think you and I alluded to earlier, which is how do we determine which brew method for a specific coffee is going to be the best? Right. And... I- and then I'd like to hear your thoughts on this after I give this thought, okay. which is I, A, don't want to waste coffee, and B, that seems like so much work to figure out. Right. Like, how do we go about that? Well, all hobbies are work. <laughs> right. <laughs> that they like, are. Like, but that's, that's why they're all monetizable. Um, no, I think, like, there, there is a, there's a middle ground between what, you, what Chris is talking about and what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Obviously, for whatever reason, the the Kalita wave like works for him and gets what he wants out of each coffee enough that like he's been using it without really giving it a second thought, right? Yep. But then- something about that change to that Chemex is like now I really need to like what have I been missing out on, right? So, I mean, the way I think of it, uh, and I'm all about data, and I've been. You know, yep. I have six coffees in right now. And also, now. I was going to say, please share what you did yeah. specifically because uh, I wanted to review that. Um, I have six coffees in. in right now, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so two Congos, um, e- natural Ethiopian, natural Rwandan, um, and a, a Costa Rica washed and a Mexico washed. And I run them all when I'm doing taste tests. I don't just cup them. Cupping, hugely important. Like we've talked about it before, it's a great tasting method, but honestly doesn't tell you much about what your, the average experience of your coffee is, I think. And what your customers are going to experience. The, yeah, exactly. What the, like what, the, what is the mean experience going on out there? So every coffee gets cupped. I brew a batch. I brew a Hario. I do a flat bottom. So I use the, um, I use the December dripper which is kind of like the Kalita's flow rate adjustable cousin. Okay. Um, I use a steep and release method. The one I use is the, the Bonavita. Um, I forget exactly mm. what it's called, but it has the little valve. Yeah, as you opposed, just pull it open. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to like the Clever, um, which I think has some issues with flow. <laughs> um, and then I use the Zero Bypass and the Chemex. Um, 
and I use the SEA's 15 point intensity scale on each method. And I break it down by aroma, flavor, acidity, sweetness, body, and aftertaste. And then I do an intensity average. Okay. Why am I talking about this? <laughs> what I've found is that by and large for a given coffee, certain brew methods that should group together, group together. So pour overs actually group together. Um, batch is kind of its own animal. And yeah. that's a weird thing, I think, specifically specific to me, because I do mostly batch coffee at home. Like, that's I have a say. ratio brewer. Yep. I love the thing, and that's what I use at home. It's way easier to set up, like, when Nora has to get up at, like, 530 in the morning and go to the gym. Like, I couldn't it's believe ready it when to go I for her. asked yeah. you this. I was like, wait, he's brewing on a ratio, an automatic unit? Like, well, when I get a cup I love off the ratio, like, I immediately go to the Hario, the Kalita, the Chemex. Like, I start testing it out that's great like so all this to say i think there are broad strokes where we can group brew methods together uh and i do think um steep in release and full immersion like Mm -hmm. they're basically going to treat coffees the same way most pour overs actually i think there's some differentiation between conical and flat bottom but pour over is almost always pour over and bypass to me, what's most interesting about it is it's its own animal. Like it, I think it really like zero bypass methods are, I think, truly unique and give like just on the numbers a truly unique character. Um, and I'd be really interested to. I'm gonna be really interested as I bring in more coffees to just try more and more stuff on on the hoop and just see how consistent that stays because it really is the middle of the road. Asks nothing of you, gives you a clean cup super consistent like i'm really interested in it so um let me throw this at you too because one of the big things is everyone is familiar with a v60 for the most part if you're in this world right right that was the big one that was the big one i got into with um and similar to chris there you came over and i had some interesting coffees and i was gonna put in a chemex and you kind of nodded and said how about a hario (laughs) and uh I got some different stuff out of that. And similarly, I was like, anytime I get a coffee and now I'm like, maybe this should be a Hario and see what's going on here. But, uh, um, what is it? They, a Hario released a version of the 360. They call it something else now, but it's ridgeless that they're advertising as their zero bypass method. Interesting. And, uh, this coffee geek article also described the Chemex as being zero bypass simply because that paper filter, probably in both these cone methods, adheres to the side there, so it really is preventing any water from going through. Which, but if you've brewed a Chemex, you know is total BS. Like that's <laughs> I was wondering myself. Nonsense. Yeah, so, yeah, I was going to ask <laughs> about that. because absolutely not true. Well, because as soon as I... So that that's the part that always confuses me as somebody who has used some methods, and I'm aware of many, is the little intricacies of it confound me sometimes. Sure. Like Chemex, it seems like it's stalling because of that seal on the outside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as you pick it up, it starts flowing out of the bottom. Right. So for me, it seems like that's the case as a, you know, as a, let's say a scientific observer of what I see, that seems to be the case that it's sealing the sides. It might be. It looks to me like when you when you lift that filter up, it looks to me like a lot of a lot of water, a lot of coffee is released. You think it's just leaking? So I think it's I think it's just like such a steady like steady small flow. Yeah. That you're not really seeing it unless you agitate it a little. Interesting. Um hmm. that's been my impression. I don't know like No, it's I think you'd almost have to have like like High speed, high frame rate camera yeah. on it to like really know whether that coffee's flowing or static. Was right? Say, can we get a camera in there somehow? Or glue to really... the sides and not glue the sides. <laughs> exactly. Like you'd yeah. have to do something yeah. dumb, like actually seal the sides of it. That would be really interesting. I mean, uh, let's get dumb. You, you'd kinda... waste one whole Chemex. There you go. Every time you tested it. Can one of the can one of the supporters or people here send us a chemex that we can super glue a filter to if you have please. a chemex you're not using <laughs> yeah send we, it to us we, i'm we, sure we, someone does <laughs> we, yeah we can call Corey chemex and have him send us one <laughs> Corey um chemex. 
No, it's because it, it, that's that's a fascinating part. I because I love the conversation. I love the idea of that, like you know, the hoop or something like it being essentially essentially foolproof if you have a a capable grinder. Which in this, it's actually less sensitive to. To say you got a little so bit more leeway, right? It's less sensitive to grind. It's less sensitive to technique. So essentially, when we're talking about introducing people to manual brewing. Like for me, Hario always seemed like super finicky, right? You have to, it's more technique driven than almost anything else. I and, would, and I would say the same thing about Chemex. Yeah, because if your grind's off, like it's going to stall and you're, there is no recovery. Yeah, like the nine minute Chemex hates all living things. Like that <laughs> is a poison. You, yep. are, you are making like some kind of pharmacological sin there. Like <laughs> it's just, it gets awful. And we've like, all done it. Yeah, exactly. Many times. And then you drink it because like you just spent you just 10 spent minutes, it. yeah, pouring this damn thing. Yeah, and that's how I used to do it. And like, you know, those little, those moments where like, oh, yeah, for that, my grinder matters a lot more than the Kalita, which always worked. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, oh, maybe maybe something like the hoop or um, assuming that it's accessible both price-wise and, you know, availability-wise. Sure, yeah. Um, like that is, like if we're thinking about like getting people into this stuff, give them something that they it's hard to fail on. Yeah, I think like, that's, that's what a, great a lot win. of people liked about AeroPress at first too. Yeah. Uh-huh. It felt like it was hard to fail and it felt a lot like a French press, which people knew people have some frame of reference. It's, it's odd that that's the one that like seems to have seeped into popular culture. Like people have some exposure to the French press, but um, the arrow press kind of piggybacked off that. And and so, yeah, I think, I think the hoop is the new that honestly, I think it, I think I it has like that idea. potential. I'm, I'm very curious. This is not and, a commercial uh, for the hoop. Chiato no. is not paying us. Well, and uh, that's we what do I was have bring like, up. what is, what does Chiato make again? Yeah, so Chiato. Um, what's the what's their big product line? I I, I would have espresso home espresso machines, espresso grinders. Um, they do make they grinders. Have a, do they have a commercial machine, a commercial espresso machine yet? I don't think. they I do. don't know that. I'm not familiar with any brewing methods from them. Okay. No, I'm looking at. I'm, I, I'm on the it's, website. It's I'm looking on at grinders on grinders. Yeah. And I'm looking say, at they're not intro grinders either. No. These are. These are thousand dollar grinders. I was gonna say if these are more. grinders. Yeah, yeah. Like we, when we were at Whole Latte Love, these were our, our espresso bread and butter, bread and butter grinders. Yeah. If somebody wanted one of the best grinders for their home espresso setup, we're talking about you know a Profitech or an ECM, you know not cheap machines. Yeah. You were getting a Chiato, or we were trying to sell them one. Yeah. Well, you you know you know a place is um is selling a product that is targeted to a certain market when you look at every grinder on the website and there are no prices, <laughs> no prices, um, because they don't need don't to put even prices. think about it. Right. You don't need to put prices on when put you put it in your cart. <laughs> so, so you can expect my little reluctance here when this grinder company, which I love, they make a great product. And let me tell you, if you do spend, you know, one grand or more on one of these, it will last you a lifetime. Um, Truly they, prosumer, like truly yeah, like one, can survive commercial environments. And it's, well, be- it's beautiful say, and, too. Yeah, and they're con- such nice, nice And machines. professional grinders. Like there are these around town at coffee shops. I've seen them. Oh, yeah. Um, I've outfitted a couple. I was going to say, you yeah. probably know. But uh, so when this company released a plastic brewing device, I was a little apprehensive. Uh, yeah. If And if it hadn't been something I'd been chasing literally for nearly a decade, this idea of zero by this idea of how do you how do you accomplish this these specific things in the brewing process i would have been skeptical too but i was like finally so i you know i got a hold of one and i do not regret it so well i'm going to pick one up because number one when you brewed for me and i looked and you just poured some water and eh, it's pretty much that was it. Away. that's it set and forget <laughs> you it you know yeah um, it seems great, and I will probably add it to my catalog. I'm sorry, Hannah. Um, don't hate me for this, and you know our 20 years of marriage will not suffer. Welcome to the world of punches and popcorn, where we dive into the bone-breaking and kung-fu-kicking world of martial arts cinema. Join us on the path as we explore a new movie every episode, discussing the history, fighting styles, science, and more from a broad range of fight films. Everything from Bruce Lee to John claude Van Damme to John Wick. 
There's plenty of room in our temple of couch potato style. So listen in and subscribe to Punches and Popcorn on your favorite podcast app. I think that's, I mean, those were a lot of my thoughts. Um, The only thing, you know, Wade, do you have final thoughts on Zero Bypass or the hoop specifically or other methods? methods generally. Yeah. I want to say something that's been on my mind a lot lately, especially like testing out different methods. Every roaster, this is a sin to say as a roaster, every roaster you know is roasting for a brew method. Ooh. Every roaster you know drinks their coffee most commonly on a brew method that they are most familiar with the flavor profile of their coffee from that brew method. And it's not a conscious decision, but there are things that they taste, that they that they want, that they chase, that they don't want, things they like, they don't like, that are a product of how often they're brewing their coffee on a Hario, on a Chemex, Ooh. on a French press, in a batch. So craziest thing, all my coffees, guess what my favorite method is time after time? Ratio. Batch. Batch brew. Batch brew. I'm, I'm loving batch brew with my coffees. And I'm going, that's how I always drink it. And so I've got to like break out of that. Like, can, can we talk about that machine for a second? The the ratio, the ratio machine. Yeah, can yeah. we talk about talk about it for a second? Because I have seen it, um, and every so often when I see it, I'm like, oh, you know what? I I, I like the idea of not thinking about things too much. Some sometimes, uh, rarely, um, very very rarely, but every so <laughs> often it's appealing. Um, what why why that machine? Yeah. What is it? I mean, what do you what do you see in it? Very curious. I I initially liked two things about it. It doesn't ask too much beyond like the typical batch brewer and you can put a Chemex under the spray head. Like oh, those, okay. those were the two things that drew me to it. Um, and when I say like, you know, I'm testing coffees on batch, I'm actually using like um, a bun brew wise professional when you say batch, commercial. I'm expecting yeah, yeah. like what we get at Ugly Duck. No, or... that's what I'm using at the warehouse. So that's where my coffees are scoring super high, right? Um, I'm not scoring coffees at home most of the time. So um, this, this is a, it's not exactly the ratio that I'm talking about, but the ratio is how I'm drinking batch. And so, like, I think, I think there's an analogy there. Well, there's a lead in there. And, you know, at least for anyone listening to this, you can say, hey, walk into your nearest specialty coffee shop, and what they're going to pour you is, you know, drip is going to be your batch brew. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what you are referring to. That's what I'm going to analogize this to. Yeah, and that's what I do is, you know, that's my shot in a beer, right? I go into a coffee shop. I say I'll have an espresso in a batch. Like that's, and that's for me to get to know that coffee shop or coffee shops I've been to a thousand times. That's just the comforting, like, you know, that's the way I drink it. And it's coming out in how I roast. Mm. Um, the ratio though, the more I get into it, um, super simple, elegant. It's beautiful. I love the way it looks. Um, and my, like my only complaint is that the place to pour the water in is too small. Like they need to make mm. it much larger or it needs to come with a large funnel or something. Cause, um, yeah, that's just a pain and I have to fill my Chemex with my filtered water and then <laughs> pour it in there. But other than that, like, uh, the spray head stays really clean. I don't know if it has to do, it's like a little bit concave. I don't know if it's the shape that causes it to stay really clean, but you get uh, so often in these home machines, like just a ton of buildup grounds and stuff on the spray heads. Right. This one stays really clean. Like I'll, I'll go to wipe it occasionally. And it's like, I didn't even, nothing even came off. Um, I think it brews much faster, honestly, cause the spray head's big and it like fully, it's trying to fully wet those grounds. And, um, I, I think it's a speedy little bugger and you know, I'm, I have no complaints there. Uh, I've done half batches. Like again, we're we're not sponsored by Ratio. <laughs> no, it's just so the reason I, I was just asking love the thing. Like, well, it's the reason I was asking because I have seen it before. Like this isn't the first time I've heard about it, and when I have seen the past, it seemed appealing to me for many of those same reasons. And the reason why I was asking is like I, I was gonna like kind of finish off with. You know, and not not that this is like a recommendation podcast, but like you guys have brewed with tons of different methods. I have done like relatively few, right? I've done like I started like when I started doing pour over work, it was uh, V sixty. No, no, I, I've never I've never done one. 
I've we, never done a V60. We need to trade. Well, so that's so so I have you know I had uh I had an AeroPress. That's how I started. Yeah, because that was that's you know, a great forum place reading. to start. Yeah, right. That was forum reading, and AeroPress was the hot thing at the moment. Uh, then I switched to a chem- then I got a Chemex, and then I got the Kalita, and that's been pretty stagnant after that. Mm-hmm. So those are the three I have ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was gonna say like what what's the one thing I should you know what's the one that you would say having Having done those, what should I go grab? What's what's the one I should try? Oh wow, that's a. That's I know, a I know, it's a loaded a question. Yeah, but it's like just the first one that okay. pops in your head. Like, hey, try that one. Hey, Wade, while you're thinking, I'm I gonna got ask you another question. <laughs> so you have to go back to our education episode because this is where I'm going to ask you. I could give you an answer, right? Yeah. But what I really want to ask you is, what are you looking to get out? Because nerdery. So I just want to learn about something new. I want to try something that's different from what I have, but not with any particular intention. So, so that I know that's that's a vague thing, but I'm per- purposefully vague about it because that is actually what I want is I just want to experience something different. Like I tried a, you know, I tried a mocha pot and I was you know, middlingly successful and I've dabbled in that a little bit. Right. But like that's the most I've ever done is those four things. Yeah. So so I I can narrow it. Oh, go ahead. So I this is one that has piqued my avoid this question um, as long as I can. <laughs> so I've got two for you. Oh, I've got a couple. So I've got two. <laughs> so I this was my foray into coffee was buying all these brewing methods because it's like, what is why are these here? They've got to be better than my Mr. Coffee, which I still have, by the way. Um, and I use it occasionally, but you know, I'm very happy with, you know, my basic setup is um, I have a scale, I have a Hario scale, I have a Chemex and I have a, um, fellow, um, what's the kettle called? Oh yeah. The, uh, I forgot. I have the same one. The fellow yeah. kettle with the temperature setting. Amazing. Like yeah. changed my game completely. Really um, solid. Yeah. I love that one. Um, that's my daily. Um, and in reading, I found this, it's called the thin P H I N. And it was also mentioned in this Coffee Geek article as a zero bypass method. I'm not sure it fits the bill, but okay, yeah. This, this I think I think we should maybe all purchase one of these or use one at some I've point. I've used one. You said yeah? the, the fin. Yeah. The fin. P H I N. Oh yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah. I see what it is. Yep. So that's one that interests me. Um, the other thing I would say that could be crazy for you is buy a like a little Turkish brewer. Yeah, that's that's a method I've tried in Get the past that, yeah. that I never, like I never liked. Yeah, um, yeah. and it was just not a thing I enjoyed particularly. But it is again, I love I love the practice of things like that, but I also don't practice like things you don't rituals like. exactly. Yeah, right, that's I, the I, point. Of, like I like the that. idea of that. Yeah. But I'd like to spectate it. Right. That's why, yeah. that's why I asked you what you were looking to get out of it. Yep. Yeah. I will watch the international Sheva Everick competition. Yeah. And those dudes with their giant pots of sand. And so like, cool. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love that stuff. The cardamom, the sugar. Like, it's cool to watch. I don't want to drink it. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to take, I'm going to distill all of your things and say that the Hario Switch is your recommendation. Hario Switch Ooh. looks super cool, but I haven't used it yet. Is that, that's what you said, right? The Hario Switch. Is that the one you mentioned? <laughs> I didn't mention the Oh, switch. Jesus. So that, oh, that's... Oh, wait, wait. No, no, no. I'm sorry. That's the one without the ridges in it. No, right? it's the one with the... That's the immersion where you can pull the thing. It's a steep and release. Yeah. yeah. More or less. You can use yes. it that way. What was so, the one you mentioned? You you said something Hario, right? Um, I have a Hario at home there. They just came out with one. Um, let me find the name there. Zero. Well, yeah. While, while he's searching, what, what, okay. do you, what do you got there? Okay. I'm going to do two since he did... Um, but they are both of like the same idea, and one of them I've already mentioned is the December Dripper, mm-hmm. and the other one is the Yama Silverton. And I will tell you why I love these two particular brewers is flow control. You actually determine the flow rate um, out the bottom of the of the dripper in both of these. Um, I think the Silverton has a ball valve, so it's a little more precise. Um, a little more, sorry, not more precise, a little more variable. The December dripper, you're just covering and uncovering holes. 
and they do have little notches to show you like two holes uncovered, three holes uncovered. Yeah. Yeah. I searched for it. I'm like, oh, the thing I was hoping that I would have the ability to do, like the thing that frustrates me on the Kalita is like sometimes if I like, let's say I switch to an Ethiopian coffee and I forget to change to a coarser grind setting. Yeah. Uh, and then it just dead stalls in the Kalita. If I had a little bit more area, maybe I would get a little just more like, flow through. You turn that thing from two holes to three. Mm. Yep. That's a huge difference. Or with the Silverton, I actually have a method, uh, where I start out with a very light flow out of the bottom of the dripper. And in the last like minute, turn that flow all the way on. The theory being that alkaloids and heavy metals, they tend to break down into the brew last um, and cause more bitter type flavors. And if you make that last portion of the brew, you know, a little bit faster, you bring that water out a little bit quicker, uh, you'll get less of those. That's my theory, right? And in some coffees, it like completely transforms what you're getting out of that coffee. Mm. So um, I, the Silverton and the, and the December Dripper and the idea of flow rate um, and now you're seeing flow rate used in espresso machines. That's what a lot of the Del yep. Corte machines are based on. Um, I'm I'm really, I'd be interested in whether anyone's done a deep dive because it's not something that typically gets talked about, but I do think it has a ton of potential to like make brewing even more variable in a similar way that steep and release methods did. Like that was one of the advantages of the Bonavita or of the, or of the, um, clever was yeah. that like it could it was kind of that hybrid method and it kind of changed the way you thought about pour over and full immersion you know and and where you could find the middle ground i think you can do a really similar thing with flow control methods like the december and the silverton so cool yeah the, was... the december is really like very much like it's just direct replacing my current exactly you know, yeah. use the same filters and everything yeah and it's like oh it's just giving me some options and that's cool and the other one uh, that Yama one is also pretty stunning. That's it's a beautiful, it's so pretty. It's yeah. a beautiful brewer. Yeah, I love it. Don't uh, don't purchase that if you're lacking counter space for all of your brewing <laughs> methods. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I know about that's as big what... footprint wise as the ratio. <laughs> it's a so, big one. Yeah. What was the end of your thought, Aaron? Um, just to throw this out there, the Hario we were talking about earlier. So we talked about the Switch and the V60. One of their newer ones is called the Mujin. Or oh, Mujin. that's what you brought up. Yep. So. Um, Spell that, please. M U G E N. Okay. So, lots of brew methods there. Um, oh, interesting. Really yeah. interesting. Yeah. No, it's. I. I think. So the reason I brought it up that way is really just because, you know, you you'll talk to you know, ten serious coffee people, and they're going to be ten different ideas mm-hmm. on what the next thing you should try is. And something's going to spark your interest, you know, when you're looking at them. Because if you just start looking, it's just so many things to look at. But if you talk to people who've actually tried stuff, yeah. they're going to tell you something for a reason. And it gives you at least a hint on where you might want to focus your efforts. But that's how I always loved learning about things was I want to learn from the people that are so deep into things. And that's why I love it's something I've always tried to do. I'm not sure if it was ever on purpose, but it was just, I always love being around the people who are just, they dive so deep and I always want to feel like I don't know enough. I always want to feel like other people around me know more than me. Yeah. Um, which is why I never call myself an expert at almost anything. Right. uh, Because I, I consider myself a casual expert because I, I have so many people in my life that are like, you know, industry experts, industry level experts. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's different. I love, I love the fact that I, I have been so educated and not humbled because I never feel humbled by the people, but it's, um, a realization of how much, you know, and how much you want to learn by knowing the people around you who definitively know more than you. Like it's, that's why this topic of brewers is so fascinating is because you can try a hundred of them and you will never know enough. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's, well, and, and the, the space keeps growing. It keeps growing. Yeah. Well, and that was leaps and, and bounds every year. And yeah. that was one of the points we brought up that we never got to is these trends keep coming. 
And um, Wade, you posed the question on our sheet there of what are we going for and where, like, where are we headed and why? Are we actually trying to, like, refine brewing? Are we actually trying to do well by uh, producers and maximize the flavor of the coffee that they're putting so much work into roasters the same way? Like, are we actually trying to honor that? Or is it just like, are we this is cool and I got a GoFundMe and I was able to 3D print this somewhere? You know, like what's, you know, what? <laughs> that was honestly my first thought when I saw the uh, the hoop there is what I'm doing now is I'm running a makerspace lab and I've got two 3D printers and I was like, I bet you I could make one of these. Yeah, now if you the, should do it. If the material I had was... Uh, you know, food safe, food grade, it yeah. would have happened like weeks ago and I would have brought it in. But, uh, yeah, that's, a uh, that'll happen at some point, but. Well, I remember a really specific experience with a brewer, with a, um, one of these GoFundMe or one of these Kickstarter, Kickstarter it was, uh, brew methods that had a specific, its specific thing was a Bluetooth scale where you <laughs> download an app and it would read out on yep. your phone and. Um, they were going to do this whole social community where you could share all your um, remember that. recipes and like everyone's, you know, their recipes were drawn out in, in curves. So like how much you poured over how much time was made into a line graph and you could see other people's and like, obviously like any kind of social platform, people would just come on and just rip the shit out of your recipe. It was just like, <laughs> It was like a breeding ground for terrible snobbery. And honestly, the the thing didn't work. Like I could not get a brew under 10 minutes on this thing. No matter Ooh. what I did to the grind, the choke point to me was really obvious. And like its biggest selling point was like flow control. It's the wave of the future. And I was like on this mind, I was like, yes, I love this. And whatever they did with this ball valve, they blew it. Cause it just didn't work. I could not get it to actually flow. Um, and I won't say the name of the thing, Cause like, yeah, I'm not here to hate on like a specific brand, but like that you see that happen in the space a ton. And I've become so skeptical of like the new thing. I'm like, as a more of a consumer and enthusiast than, you know, my professional side there, I've got a library of brewing methods, like literally a library. Chris, if you want any of them, I'll loan them to you. Oh, I'm, you I'm ready to try some stuff out and talk um, about it next time. Cause yeah, it's definitely, I, I think it's kind of, you know, like I said, it, it's nice to be that side of this where I can test something honestly and I'll watch a quick thing and then I'm just going to roll and try it out and see what happens. Um, yeah, because this is, this is the fun part. I, I love the idea of testing, but at the same time, I don't have time to test 100 of them, which is why I right. want to talk to right. you guys. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's why I'm talking to you guys. It's so much fun. So I'll uh, bring a hoop next time. But hoop! In, yep. <laughs> And that's, and that's the big thing for me when I saw this all come out. I was like, do I have to buy another brew method? And literally that was a thought, have to, because I'm going to want the best cup of coffee. <laughs> right. And I thought I had it. You know, like I had two great brew methods and I had access to a lot more. Now I have to buy another $60 device that. Yeah. And, and all the filters and, and all the find new a filters. mug that it fits on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, yeah, my mugs, I've standardized my mugs. All right, that's good. I've, I've got diner mugs, that's it. I got uh, I got the coolest mug in the shape of a Pokeball for Christmas from my sons, <laughs> and uh, it is, like, huge. It's, it's like a soup bowl mug, you know, <laughs> that shape, and it fits, uh, like, a Hario only fills it up halfway. It's perfect. <laughs> I could take two Chemexes. Exactly. You could just <laughs> full Chemex, like a wild Chemex appeared and you caught it in your Pokeball. That's I've, what it is. I've, uh, what was I going to say that? Oh, the only time I've been, I love the diner mugs because they're consistent shape and size. So if I go to a new coffee shop and they got a diner mug, I can throw it in my collection, right? Yeah. The only thing that made me change from that was the not neutral coffee stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. They have such nice mugs. Yeah. I love drinking out of those mugs specifically. Well, and at the time when they first came out, there was a a lot about the ergonomic design of just that the way that the handle 
kind of sure. really softly goes into the the rim of the mug. This is a totally different kind. We're now yep. on mugs. Like we've gone we've gone off the deep end. <laughs> um, I had a closing this for us, um, but uh, wait, here was going to be my. This might be a whole thought, but maybe just an initial opening thought that we can lead into something else there. Where does the idea of picking a brew method for a coffee come down to figuring out, at least on my side where I'm buying most of my coffee and, you know, brewing at home as, you know, a consumer there, an enthusiast consumer, more than a professional trying to dictate all this stuff, I'm kind of thinking that I want this scripted to me. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on where that might come from. If that's, you know, something that QR codes, (laughs) like put it on the, put a QR code on the bag to like, you know, do you want the origin information? Do you want the brewing information? Do you want the roasting information? And like, sorry, build out your website. And like, I say that as someone who needs to build out my website or Aporia's website, like, cause I want to have, like, I now have a wealth of just raw data that I can interpret to any audience that's willing to follow a, a QR code. And I just have to do the work of getting that out there. Like I, that's, that's where I'd start, but, um, that's a great, I have a, a lot of other thoughts thought. too. Yeah. <laughs> visit, visit roasters. We find yeah. out how they're brewing their coffee. Cause they are, they are roasting their coffee for that brew method, whether they realize it. I, I resisted the idea cause I'm just, I'm just bringing out the best flavors in this coffee. no, like you are impacted by the way you experience the coffee every time. That so. should we yeah. should reach out to some of these places. I've that's the one thing I want to get on is uh, seeing a lot of the we reached out to X Y and Z. That would be really fascinating to know. What are your roasters drinking on? Yeah. Oh, I love that idea. Be that, huge. That that'd be a fun uh, fun little mini uh, episode for talking to some of the talking to roasters that we know around uh, around everywhere. Yeah, not just around Rod. I mean, like yeah, I've got. Oh, we got few from even great out places of town. in yeah. Buffalo and Syracuse, and I mean Absolutely. right around us, but elsewhere too. Yeah, we've got friends in Providence, got friends in Philly, got friends in Minnesota. Oh, very cool. Yeah, like that would be, those would be the people to find out from. So, uh, but that is, like you said, another episode. So, so thank you for listening. Uh, thanks to producer Chris Lindstrom and the Food About Town Studio. Special thanks to our sponsor and our really. Uh, parent podcasting network mm-hmm. of lunch door. If you like the show, you can find us on Substack or Apple podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, rate review and tell your friends to listen. Thanks to my co-host Aaron Pascucci. You can find us on Instagram at levelup.wny. Please reach out with any questions or requests for future episodes or anything else you might have for us. If you DM us, someone will read it. Enjoy your coffee. This has been a presentation of the Lunchador Podcast Network. Welcome to Behind the Studio Door, where we dig into the vibrant creative landscape of Rochester, New York. Hi, I'm Molly Darling, and along with my co-host Christian Rivera and our fabulous producer Chris Lindstrom, it's my pleasure to guide you through the dynamic world of our local creative professionals. Each episode offers a unique glimpse into the studios of those who enrich our Rochester community with their artistic vision. Join us as we explore the diversity and talent in Rochester, revealing the compelling narratives and creative journeys that exist just beyond the studio door.